Welcome to the one within all to another interverse. I'm your host, Chance Garten, here once again to synchronize your synapses with especially clever creators in the hopes that by casting pods together, we can all make life a little better. It's no secret to veteran interversers that I'm a huge enthusiast of music and art festivals because I've experienced firsthand how inspiring it can be to meet like minds and loving tribes at gatherings where the main attraction is art. Our returning guest for today is practically a legend in the Midwest festival scene and is known as one of the friendliest wolk tamers out there. Back for a third trip to the Interverse, I'm happy to introduce a true good vibes expert, Jamie Seed. Jamie is a professional photographer, amateur philosopher, and deep thought instigator who not only takes some of the most incredible photos of life's most memorable moments, both at festivals and beyond, but he's also been involved with organizing, promoting, and running the show for media teams and full-fledged festival production. A veteran in his prime who always is out there opening minds, Jamie has been a longtime supporter of this podcast and is one of the coolest friends a person could have. But before we dive into what will certainly be a deep chat and fascinating recap of what Jamie's been up to this year since his last time on the show, let's all remember to find our center, even if just for a second and seek to sense that scintillating energy in the silence of our cores, summoning up that tingly feeling of bioenergetic excitement and supercharging it with some heartfelt gratitude for the man who's about to share this next two-hour moment with us. And if you've still got some good feelings to spare, why not remind yourself that you love you and inwardly smile and thanks to your own dedication to life, goodness, and all that jazz. Now that we're properly aligned, let's do this thing. Jamie, my man, welcome back to Interverse. Thanks for being here, dude. Wow, dude, Chance, thank you so much that, for that incredible introduction. And uh, and just, man, I want to speak on behalf of myself and probably all of your people that follow you and love you as a friend, like gratitude for what you're doing, man. Like this is, uh, it gets better every time that, that intro is just a jam on the, uh, on the uh, epic level of, of uh, what you're doing. It's centering. That's just awesome. You keep getting better at what you do, man. And what you're, what you're channeling through this thing is really uh, interesting and amazing and just grateful for you, dude. Thanks for having me back. Wow. That's really nice of you to say. One of the little bits of creativity I can put into this mostly technical production of podcasting is to try and articulate myself as artistically as possible in the introduction in the hopes that that also snares people's interests a little bit. Yeah, we're here to talk about you, man. <laughs> I'm turning it around on you, man. No, but yeah, dude, uh, thank you so much for having me and thanks for doing what you do, honestly. And uh, and yeah, man, I uh, I just was feeling a craving here in the past few days. You know, I just we had talked about it a while back, but I just reached out to you a couple of days ago. Like, I don't know, man, I, I was looking across at what you do and just like, I just want to get back in that interverse uh, mindset and uh, flow a little bit. Because, you know, I don't know, I guess this year, one of the things that, that has changed for me is that I've gotten way more into just listening to podcasts in general. And so I, I think I have a new appreciation for how amazing of an interface and uh, how much good this can do for for the world. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like this long form conversation style, uh, creation is, you know, you're, you're at the forefront of, you know, so you've been doing this for a long time now. And like, uh, I mean, this, this art form is, to, is an incredible medium in this digital age where we're all in this like fast, quick, you know, the internet's so distracting. It's full of quick little bites of information. The long form of a podcast is just an incredibly powerful tool, you know, to be able to listen to people having these epic conversations is a way to, I think stay connected with our humanity as we move into this artificial digital age, you know? Yeah. I think it's more important than ever that we choose the signals that we're putting in more carefully than ever before. 
Yeah, absolutely. Podcasting is a great way to do that, especially if you struggle with repetitive negative thought patterns. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you might already realize this, but you can literally change your thought patterns by putting positive voices in your head of other people. It's quite magical. It is quite magical. That's man. Let's springboard off of that because that's something that I've a lesson I've really learned this past year. I, I you know, I've been on a kind of a journey of self discovery. You know, in my old age, it's, just, uh, you know, it's weird how the, you know you never stop growing and learning as a human. You know, we're just so adaptable, and we're if you if you remain open, you can always learn something new. You know, in a million different levels. But man, that whole thing you're talking about with controlling your mind with positive thought, like. I just this in this past year became exposed to some concepts that are part of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy theory. To me, it correlates with the practice of meditation because it's in, in the cognitive behavioral therapy technique is about realizing you're having these negative thoughts, separating from them and realizing that you don't have to accept those negative thoughts as true. I feel like that monkey mind loop that's always talking like our chattering mind you know, the default response for us as humans is just to believe it. You know, like it's telling you you're no good or saying that you're not going to ever be anything or, or that your life sucks. Cognitive distortions, they call them, you know, where it's like your brain's extrapolating a negative outlook on something. It's not, it's, it's distorting reality. And you can learn how to just argue against those thoughts. Like, like that's not true, monkey brain. Like this is, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you can have like the spirit can exert power over the mind. And that's, you know, having that that unification of spirit over mind is a, I don't know, I guess I just, this past year, I'm not saying I've mastered it by any means, but it's certainly helped me a lot with like a lifetime struggle with depression and anxiety. You know, you don't have to emotionally connect to your thoughts. You know, you can separate that out and decide not to go down those rabbit holes, you know, Um, like a litmus test of the thoughts is like, would I say this to my best friend? You know, like a negative thought crosses your mind, putting it on trial. Like, would I say this to my wife? You know, would I say this to my best friend? Why in the world am I saying this to myself? Why am I believing this from myself? It's a powerful idea. Yeah. The real benefit of the meditative practice is that increase of awareness. And whenever you're not really fully in attention with your thoughts, then it's easy to get carried away in any one thing or another. And oftentimes you're just running a program that's been inserted in the past. And then there's also the potential that some aspect of your physical body itself is what is actually giving you the discomfort. It's what's causing the negative feeling, right? Right. Like a gut, like something bad that you're eating, you know, unhealthy part of your diet, a malady of some sort of sickness or a cancer or something. Is that what you're saying? Well, not even necessarily to the level of cancer. It seems to me that energy has consciousness to it. Mm-hmm. Just like water holds consciousness in the form of those experiments they've done with freezing ice crystals while projecting ideas that they're speaking words. And ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're made of water. And water, when it stagnates, it gets nasty. So if you have energy trapped in your body, it doesn't even have to necessarily be something fully physical because energy isn't always physical in a dense form. It could just be the very tension that you've got built up that you don't know how to relax or even realize isn't able to relax because that that tension is muscular energy itself just trapped in place, rigid. Mm-hmm. And so that can I, I see no reason why that couldn't be a stagnating aspect here. Like what is stagnating our consciousness is that stiffness that we're stuck in. I mean, I just had a decent stretch session before we talked and it's still like I'm still behind on my stretching debt, you know, on my tension. Right. Debt. That's like a good way to get yourself out of debt energetically. 
and uh, karmically is to get it out of your body as much as possible. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I was talking about that earlier. I was hanging out with a friend after we had a friends giving gathering last night in Fayetteville with some awesome people. And there's a lot of dogs there, but we were all just kind of observing and joking about the dogs. Uh, they're, they're so good at self maintenance and self love and they, they stretch, you know, every day. <laughs> every time my dog gets up, he stretches. Yeah, right, right. It's part of their practice and they're like way more advanced than, than humans in that way. It seems like, you know, they all maintain that, uh, that basic, you know, it's just instinct form or whatever, but it's, it's just funny to watch them because it's like, it really is self-care and self-maintenance. It's very healing. It feels great. You know, I feel like I, I like get in the stress mode and forget to, to stretch sometimes, but man, just a couple of minutes of yoga can change your whole day and this feeling of limberness and looseness you know just i don't know i love it i just recently discovered yoga in the past couple of years and um out of kind of a necessity from having an office job that kind of had had me in an unhealthy posture and started manifesting back problems and stuff and yeah man flexibility is important thing for us and it correlates perfectly with mental flexibility, which is another mm. way of saying creative ability too, because mental flexibility is imagination. So yeah, there's a huge correlation between stretching and releasing trapped pent up energy in your body and having an improved creative manifestation ability in mm. all sorts of ways, I, I would say. And it doesn't even have to be yoga. I mean, you're like the dog, your body knows where it would feel good to stretch. You can kind of just wing it. I mean, it's yeah, good to have Yeah, teachers. totally. Yeah, you don't need to do organized yoga for sure. Just like pop that, you know, I think all of us have our own like a signature stretch that <laughs> works for that one thing we have, you know what I mean? Like the, you know, you learn it over your lifetime. Just get that one little angle in there. You can pop that thing, pop that shoulder, whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we're man, all unique yeah. in that yeah, right, sense. Right. Yeah, for sure. My deal is that I always uh, get to the point where I, I had like an awesome run of stretching for a week and then I feel so good and I'm just like, I don't need it. And then I go like another week with barely hitting it. <laughs> I'm like in that oscillating back and forth type of wave on it. Yeah, I get like that with exercise in general where it's like, man, I get really into it and it starts feeling great. And then I get on that like, you know, where it makes you feel good all the time from doing it consistently. And then I'll like slack off because I feel great. You know? <laughs> and like, then it gets, it's like, yeah, it oscillates of pra the practice. Um, you know, it builds up to a point where it, it really starts improving life. And then I'll trail off of it because, <laughs> because it's working so well. I don't know. Just I get, you know, I don't know. It's a funny thing. I like the thought that you were bringing up a minute ago about the, uh, you know, the energy release and energy through those kind of stretches and stuff like the, um, just the idea of being able to release or consume energy that can affect your mood, you know, as we were talking about like negative thoughts and I was having an interesting conversation last night or today, a couple of my friends at the Friendsgiving were, you know, had gone recently in the past, you know, some long practicing vegans and vegetarians and just having that food conversation, you know, and the, that whole idea of eating stressed animals, you know what I mean? Like that factory farming concept. I, I really get that, you know, the, um, that we can consume that stress energy and that, that meat that's been saturated with hormones, you know, the stress hormones and stuff. And, Oh no, I've just been thinking about that a lot lately, just with this self-work in the past year too. Like how much, you know, cause I kind of realized I have an anxiety issue. I didn't really know I had and like trying to figure out what all sources of it, it could be, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, man. I mean, I would go further and say that if we're talking about consciousness being something that's kind of pervasive and definitely programmable into water at the very least and water is circulating around the entire planet and transferring from 
animal to animal and plants to animals and just everywhere. And we're killing something like 50 or 60 billion animals a year just for meat production as far as something like that. I, I mean, I could be off with that number, but let's just say that's what it is. So that could be programming the water in the whole planet to have a more fearful and stressed out and anxious feeling because true. that's, I mean, especially because it's all one, it is all one network. It all freely flows to each other and out of each other. You know, the, the different parts that make up different bodies, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So not just on the level of you're consuming it from the, the flesh of the animal you're eating, but I think the very practice has to do with our current global mood to a great degree. And the fact that other countries are even trying to catch up with the United States' meat production and consumption because their citizens want that type of supposedly it's a standard of living. I, <laughs> I mean, it's a low standard because like what you're saying, it can impact your mood so greatly. So that on top of that, there's the environmental issue. It's not the greenhouse gas emissions that concern me with all of the uh, livestock. It's the fact that the rainforest is almost gone. And most of what it's being cut down for is to put cattle grazing lands in Brazil and places like that so that those populations can have have their meat. Got to have my meat, that type of thing. It's a bummer. Not to be like super negative, but yeah, it's a good way to make yourself feel better is to get out of that. No, no, it's it's worth talking about, man. The very real problems coming from those large scale productions of just so that our population is so huge that it's like the factory farming thing is crazy. I have a I was worked a few years ago working at the uh, community college where I worked. We had a Tyson representative come in and it was just interesting to, you know, the thinking about the you know, the massive nature, interesting and kind of a scary way, just the, the, the global nature of our agricultural system now. And like thinking about all those things, you know, the, those practices that they're into taking place on such a massive scale, you know, all over the world to feed, to create all that meat, you know, like there's a huge, um, I don't know if it's really common knowledge uh, nationwide or not, or if I'm just tuned into it because I used to live down there, but uh, South Florida has been having these inundated with this really bad algae blooms, the red tides, you know, for years. Uh, so the prettiest, prettiest land down there, prettiest beaches down there, just like kind of destroyed from algae blooms in the Gulf of Mexico. They're totally caused by agricultural runoff, you know, from all the uh, fertilizers and stuff they're putting in the, in the water in that area to feed the citrus trees and the cows and, you know, like just, it just does not blend with that Gulf jet stream or whatever the you know the waterway down there it's a a perfect storm for these algae blooms you know it's a crazy thing i feel like this obviously something we're going to have to handle as a culture at some point and figure out a way to make our food production sustainable you know yeah it seems like we were just tricked that at some point our recent ancestors were tricked into thinking that it's better to have the convenience of somebody else providing your food for you. That's like a big corporation than it is to provide it for yourself. When, and if we had backyard, if everybody's front backyard was a food garden, then we'd have a massive surplus of food right now on the, on the planet. And we wouldn't be wasting half of it either. I bet that we would be sharing it with our neighbors and it would probably not be going to waste at least where it was going to waste. It's not such a big deal because it's, it's a plant matter that just fertilizes the next batch of crops. And it takes so much resource. It takes so many resources. Yeah, it doesn't go into plastic bags and into our landfill somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't have to go to the store, put it in a bag, bring it back to like use gas. It's all right there in your yeah. neighborhood. It it just seems they were too busy with our jobs producing whatever it is that our jobs produce <laughs> to keep this whole big machine running. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the the convenience of the capitalist system, uh, you know, just sold everybody on the good good marketing and uh and some convenience sold everybody on the idea that they didn't have to grow their own. Do you watch South Park? Yeah. Oh yeah, I love South Park, man. Did you see the newest South Park? We should talk about that. That's pretty hilarious. Yes, I think the last, I've just been watching this seasons in the past uh, week or so, but I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen the most recent one. I think the last one I saw was the, uh, the weed farm episode. Oh, that's really good. But okay. So if you remember way back in the day, like 10 years ago, they did an episode where Al Gore was warning everybody about man bear pig. Man bear pig. Yeah. 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 And it was supposed to represent climate change mm-hmm. because he is the inconvenient truth guy. Well, they just did like a two-parter where Man Bear Pig actually shows up and starts fucking everything up big time. (laughs) And and, And Gore was right the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. But what I think they kind of changed the message a little bit to not be so much about global warming, but just to be about convenience culture. And Uh I don't want to spoil the episode too much, but it just has to do with like the classic Faustian concept of making a deal for temporary power that leads to inevitable destruction. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the place we're at right now. And it's not the fun thing to hear or even to say, but I feel like we're kind of at the point where we need to start doing the collapse thing intentionally as like, instead of waiting for it to burn down. (laughs) Yeah. Control collapse where we all just start scaling down our resource consumption and somehow trying to increase our production. And I'm not like, I'm definitely not perfect that my garden sucked last year. Cause I've only just started trying to learn how to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, yeah. You do it enough and you like it, you'll get really good at it, you know? Um, but that's, that's beautiful that you're trying, you know, it's, I mean, it's a really, I, I really like the idea of what you're talking about, that controlled collapse and just, you know, folding down. It does seem like this younger you know generation is kind of more uh, in tune with that because we're, I mean, some of the stuff that we do as a culture or Western culture is, just unavoidably insanely wasteful. Like just um, one of my friends from this event this weekend, uh, Dove is a nanny and she was talking about the, you know, something that's not in my daily field of awareness, not having kids, but the, the diaper thing, you know, like how and we were just, we were doing the numbers on like, okay, so it takes diapers 500 years to decompose regular plastic, like huggies, pampers, diapers, you know, and uh, think about <sighs> every year. 90, 95% of all American children's individual shits and pisses for the past 50 years has been individually wrapped in a 500 year time pod and, you know, thrown into a hole in the ground somewhere. You know what I mean? Like that's like deep satanic laughter can be heard. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. What a win for the dark side, you know, but like, you know, the the cloth diaper thing is, uh, you know, it's, it's, kind of had a resurgence or coming in where people are making that mindful decision to not, you know, to not contribute to that. But like, just think about how wasteful that is, you know, and we do so many things like that, like that individual use, everything, you know, mind boggling. It, it is, man. I, I like, uh, like that homegrown festival that, um, that the, the Fayetteville, Fayetteville collect clothing collective in Arkansas, uh, Hambone family through these past three years, they do that thing where you don't, you bring your own drinking, you know, drinking, but, cup to the event just going for that low impact sustainability uh, ethos you know for the for the event and man it was neat it's neat to see that in effect even in a microcosm of a little small regional festival to see what could happen if we make a couple of mindful decisions to just not do 
single use beverage containers just to see what that's like, you know, like, um, I don't know, man, I think California kind of leads in the forefront of that. Like they outlaw like those individual tiny bags that Walmart gives you that holds like two cans, you know, um, just, you know, I think we definitely need to be making mindful decisions about restrictions on some of that stuff just to make some impact, you know? Yeah. It comes down to the individuals that are both serving the like, you know, serving food at establishments and also the people who are making the choice to go buy food from one place or another. Maybe you could consider the waste impact. I mean, I'm definitely not perfect. I throw away a good amount of stuff. I recycle everything I can. No, dude, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. My beautiful life partner, wife, Haley, she actually is the best at keeping me mindful of that. And I'll say like, hey, let's just, you know, this one night, let's get Chinese takeout and just get some vegetable rice instead of cooking. She'll be like, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want the plastic packaging and container. And then we just oh, cook and it takes about oh. the same amount of time. But I'm just like, that is, it's really nice to have someone who can be your conscience. That's beautiful. Right. Yeah. Man. Without making you feel bad either. Because she wouldn't have stopped me from doing it. She's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. And right. Yeah. It takes a lot of people to stand up and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. And like today, she and I were getting, you know, the holy cow food truck, really good Indian food. (laughs) Yes. So they were at this climbing competition I went to today. And so we got lunch there and it was a pretty minimal amount of trash. It was one paper plate with the food on it. And we didn't get utensils, any plastic utensils given to us, which I think is fine. We were lamenting that we didn't have any like transportable bamboo utensils because she was saying she really wanted some uh, for her birthday. And I may have not remembered that and her birthday's coming up. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but So we ate it with our fingers and like to round off the story, we got to the point where we we're covered with like Indian food on our fingers and faces. And instead of having any napkins or like Kleenex or something, she found a bandana and we did the classic, what you would have called back in the day, hanky maneuver Uh where you use a cloth bandana yeah you wipe that shit off with a piece of cloth that you go wash and you don't throw anything away and you can blow Mm -hmm. your nose on it i mean my dad used to always carry a hanky and now everyone's on kleenexes and it is a little gross to have a snotty piece of cloth in your pocket (laughs) but it's worthy like think of it like you're taking one for the earth instead of dirtying up the earth you're dirtying up your pocket that can be more easily washed Right on, man. Yeah, totally, man. It's it's just like simple stuff like that. Like, um, yeah, man, like a little handkerchief. That's that's a pretty cool little accoutrement too, you know, like have a little little stylish piece of fabric that you can whip around, you know, like that could be made cool. Maybe we should try to make that a thing, Chance, you know, it's like bring back. And then you the have a snot rag bad. that you can wipe on someone whenever they <laughs> are being bad. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I was just thinking like uh, something from some festival culture that or burning man culture especially is like uh you know there's the, the bandana thing is actually necessary you know any any event where there's a large amount of dust you know you see people employing bandanas you know out of need because the basic air filter kind of thing you know what i mean just to break down the particulate matter a little bit from sand or dust and it's the first part of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy don't forget your towel I mean, band- yeah. bandana is like a small towel. <laughs> and plus towel is admonition, of course, you know, don't forget to bring a towel. You know, that's, uh, that's funny, man. Dude, think of, talking about Burning Man, I just think as we're talking about sustainability and stuff, that was the, that was an unexpected, uh, amazing part of that experience to me. I went to Burning Man this year for the first time ever. And, uh, and man, the, the leave no trace ethic that they display there is astronomically beautiful. Um, I, I was just 
amazing. They don't provide any trash services at all there. Like you, anything that anybody brings there, you know, you or your camp are responsible for getting it back out. Like nothing remains. And the Black Rock City infrastructure does not include garbage pickup or services or cans or dumpsters or anything. You know, it's all you know, it all comes right back out. And like that, that whole playa, you know, surface is light, you know, colors, dust, sand stuff, you know, it's like a dry lake bed. So you can see any piece of matter out of place, you know, on the ground and man, the, the community polices itself. Like it's, there's no, any debris or, de, you know, no, no litter anywhere the whole time. That's just, to me, that's an amazing experiment. And just kind of a peer pressure thing, you know, just like they set the standard of this community. We can't do this. This community doesn't allow this and it works, you know, even to the point of peer pressure can be positive. Totally. Totally, man. I mean, there's social pressures is how we created civilization in a certain sense. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like expectations of behavior on a certain level. Yeah. I'm not trying to go back to the jungle. I think we can do this smarter and better than any humans have ever done it. Right. Yeah. The positive peer pressure. That's something we need we for do. social pressure. That's so, such a good idea. I think this type of conversation constitutes positive social pressure, honestly, because I have these type of conversations and record them for my own self to be pressured to like oh actually gosh, yeah. uh, practice what I preach and, and uh, hold myself accountable more. And I'm definitely not mastering it, but it's like a journey that I'm, I know I'm on because I, I see the small improvements, either things I do for my health or for or for some other reason where I, I know it's not imbalanced the way I was doing it before. And that's super empowering. I think that's like a self-esteem boost that is missing in the world right now. Cause everyone that left that black rock city at burning man is probably thinking how awesome they are for not leaving any trash. And that's a good to feel awesome. Dude, totally, man. Yeah. You get that positive benefit off of it. Plus it's just like, you know, Mickey Hart from the grateful dead, you know, always says that there are shows, you know, the past years is, uh, you know, you can take that magic home with you. You have that experience and you get that inspiration that holy shit, our world can change. We can do this kind of thing. You know, like it's encouraging that like, uh, you know, if that community can do it, our big community can do it, you know? Um, and, and like we can, we can really change things and steer things to be what we want them to be, you know what I mean? Like uh, we can change our ways, you know, we're, we're the most adaptable creatures on the planet and um, we've just got to, you know, find those ways, find our voices and be, you know, steer it. And I, I agree with you. I want to point out too, like what you were just saying, I, I totally agree that like I, I talk about these things and ruminate on these things and post about these things to, you know, remind myself, first of all, to, to, you know, be mindful of them. And I'm in no way an expert practitioner at sustainability or anything, you know what I mean? It's like an ideal for me, like, uh, but just the awareness and, and mindfulness and, you know, trying to, trying to be a better person every day. Cause we live in a world that is so easy to be so wasteful. I mean, it's obviously an everyday thing and a work in progress for, for all of us, but yeah, I was, I don't know. I was just really inspired by that. See that a big community of, absolute rage machine party people can can be that clean you know if they can do it anybody can do it yeah speaking of a huge amazing community i want to know if you can recall any mystical synchronicities that occurred things that were just inexplicably coincidental or amazing that you might have witnessed you know like the what's your best shot <laughs> from that experience at burning man or yeah or in general for the last year or in life or from Burning Man, I like, I'll take multiple stories if you've got them. That's a great question, man. I, I do. I will say I had a, the first thing that popped to mind was at Burning Man. It was just a neat 
totally neat uh, synchronous experience and it, it relates to kind of where I've been on a, on a personal journey. So I feel like it's, it's a good one to tell. So like I said, it's my first experience there. And like, I'm, I've, I've been watching and following that culture for many years and just been fascinated by it. And, you know, they have their, their principles. And one of them is, you know, the, it's decommodification. You know what I mean? You're, you know, there's, it's a, it's a non monetary gift based culture. There's, you're not supposed to advertise yourself or like, you know, uh, commodify it in any way. And, you know, it's, it's not for profit. It's basically, you know, it's a, it's a group collaborative creation. And there's, you know, like for me as a photographer, there's, you know, you have to get consent. It's very consent based. You can't just go around snapping photos. You have to be an active participant in it. There's the leave no trace ethic. There's all this stuff, but the decommodification one, when I got out of my car, when I first got there, I had this, this is, and this is such a silly thing, but it's like, I'll, I'll tell you my internal process and thought and why it was, why it was interesting to me. You know, it's a very bike based culture, you know, bicycles are how you get around that. That place is so massive, you know, it's like 22 square miles or something. So like, you know, it's very flat and uh, bicycles are just the mode of transit for everyone. And so I had rented uh, a bicycle. They had this like burner bike rental spot, like the last turn off of the interstate before you get out into the desert. So I grabbed one. When I got there, I'm like putting together, you know, getting ready to just take my first voyage out into the into the night, you know, of the uh, the playa at night and, and just like stoked, you know, get, you know, had no idea what to expect or whatever. But I have this tapestry that I've made these uh, tapestries out of this uh, photo of the totality of the eclipse that, um, that a photo I took last season at uh, that Tipper and Friends event with the, the full total eclipse uh, at the Astral Valley. Yeah, I've got a print of it up in my studio. Yeah, right on, man. Yeah, that, uh, that tapestry, the one that I had at, uh, at Burning Mail, I was grabbing it because I wanted like something to kind of wrap around me and like, you know, uses like a, you know, if I want to sit or, you know, just have as a tape or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, but like I had this moment of, of thought and doubt of like, man, I don't want to like average because it has my logo on it. I noticed when I grabbed it, it had like my name and logo on it. You know, it's like, man, I just had this conscious thought of, I don't want to be like, looking like or, or, or being, you know, advertising myself, you know what I'm saying? And like, it just started to trip me out in a way. And so I thought like, man, whatever, you know, I just kind of already had it out. It's like, but I had that conscious thought. So I took it anyway, you know, I'm just like, I'm just going to like, you know, maybe tie that part around my, you know, neck or whatever. So it's not, but so anyway, like hours later, I'm just rolling around. I'm on my way back uh, to the camp and rolling on that bike and the tapestry gets caught up in the, it's just like a fixie bike, a single gear bike, you know, and uh, it gets the tapestry little corner caught up in the, uh, the sprocket. I'm like, Oh damn, you know, I stop and I'm like, you know, it's, it's like dawn, you know, and the dawn's early light out there, like trying to machine on this bicycle and fix it. And it's like really, really caught up in there. The cloth got like all, you know, jammed up in this single gear work at it for a while. And it's like not coming out. And I finally get it. Cause it, anyway, long story short, I pulled the tapestry out. <laughs> the, the, it had perfectly cut off like at right angles my logo off of the corner of the tapestry. Like the way that the bicycle pulled the, the, the sprocket did that. Like the sprocket holes made like a, basically a perforation of a square right around the logo and cut it completely off. And uh, like that's when I ripped it out of the sprocket, that's how it came out. I don't know why it spoke to me in the way it did. That's such a silly thing in a way, Chance, you know, but like it was just such a synchronous thing. I don't know, man. I've, I've kind of been like on this journey of like having a name that people recognize and like a, a ego attached to that. And like, a you know what I mean? Like a, 
I have a personal brand in a way, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know, something I've been consciously thinking about. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's a weird experience as a human being, you know, like, I don't know, but it was like, it kind of taught me something. It was like, cause I've been, I've been like trying to get out of ego space, you know what I mean? Like be, I don't know that, that moment just really, it kind of spoke to me, you know, and it's not like I, it wasn't any negative way, but it was just kind of like confirming for me that I was thinking correctly to start with about not, you know, it was like the, the playa cut, cut the name out of it, you know, uh, just like this is, and it kind of released me for the event because like when I first arrived there and got my media credentials and stuff, it was so different from any festival I've ever been to. Like they, the first thing they told me is like, you're a participant in this. You're not a documentarian of this, you know, even though you're here to do this. Cause I was there to take photos of a fire performance troupe from Georgia that was performing before the man burned, you know, but I just thought that was so meaningful. The first, first thing I had was, um, first experience I had was, was them telling me that, you know, here with this photography passes the, the, the agreement that you're here to participate in this. You're not a, you're not a passive observer. It was just super significant for me, man. I don't know if, like, if it's coming across in my story or not. Or like It is. It is. I love that story. I think <laughs> that it's beautiful. I mean, subjective synchronicities are, I mean, they're always subjective, I guess is what I'm saying. But, and it's okay that something can only have meaning to you because of some thoughts that were in your mind. And then, the, you know, you could, who cares if it's not like a provable mystical moment? Yeah. Those things yeah. are never scientifically measurable. To you, it had deep significance. And I think it is awesome to consider how you're able to shed that character because whenever you do start to get a name that is recognized and there's an ideal that is attached to that, that is partly generated by other people's imagining of what you're like and other people that might want to emulate you because they want to do similar things to what you're doing. You get all this projection your way and exactly. then you have your you have your own projection your own you know we all have that part of ourselves that wants to be the special one over everybody else but the yeah. truth is it's okay to be the special one but everybody else is also the special one so you exactly. can be Jamie Seed and be super stoked on Jamie Seed anywhere you go anytime but it's not like something that should be used as a currency for advantage other than right. that you're connected to a lot of people that might want to help create serendipitous transactions with you in some, in some way, participatory way. Right, you know, so yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Like I'm, I'm not about killing the ego and I, I know you're not either. You're just like, let's just check this. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. You have to, you have to be monitoring it, you know, and be aware of its impact on you, you know, and man, what you were talking about with the projection, I, I've been tripping on that a lot lately. The self projection, not, not stuff projected onto me, but like my, you know, we see what we want to see in this world. And like a lot of times you see oh, yeah. you know, what, what you, what you can't accept in yourself, man, that whole, you know, shadow work side of things of like, but I have found this excellent, the resource I was reading the other day, I posted a little quote from it. I'm looking to see if I can find where I copied it to, but man, the, the positive projections onto other people, you know, like that thing about, yeah, to integrate the positive shadow is to acknowledge our own untapped potential behind the all we have of others. We begin to acknowledge and to release from within ourselves, the very talents and qualities we admired in others. I love that concept of like, you know, that hero worship thing, you know, like we, we can do that like that. I'd never really considered too much like that positive projection of like, man, I love, 
you know, chance cause he's a great podcaster, but I could never be that, but I'm going to like worship him for being that, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, that's a positive projection of like, you know, like, like, man, you can do what you appreciate in others. You know what I mean? Like if you, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I really, I got to dig in that, um, that concept here just in the past few days about like, you know, cause I've been kind of doing some self work on the, um, work, you know, checking myself for what I, what projections I make onto others and to the world that, that I might need to reanalyze, you know, and, and reinterpret. It's complicated, man. You, okay. You were bringing up at the beginning of this chat, how, or, or how podcasts can really help us and retrain our thinking patterns. And for me, I was inspired by many amazing people that were already doing shows. Right. Yeah. But one of the things that one of the things I'll bring up about projections is in making heroes out of certain people that I was so into with podcasts. And it's something that I still find myself doing all the time. Let me tell you, there's the possibility that you can project your own virtues onto a hero that the hero doesn't actually have. Uh-huh. And by do, when you do that, you run the risk of more easily buying everything a person is saying hook, line, and sinker 100%. And then all of a sudden... Without checking it for veracity, yes. yes. Yeah, and then you're like sort of becoming a clone of that person. I had that problem with Joe Rogan whenever I was a Joe Rogan idolizer. And eventually, I found evidence from paying enough attention in myself that I was actually accepting ideals and, and worldviews from... Joe Rogan that were not authentically my own and were actually blocking me from my own authentic mm. ideals and not saying that Joe Rogan's a bad guy or a bad podcaster. He's inspired right. tons of people, but it's uh, it's something that you have to be aware of is that you can project your own sort of intentions and, and virtues on another person. And then that makes them seem more almost savior like in a way. And that's what you're talking about, about yes. your, uh, with, with positive shadow, I think. And it's yes, really interesting. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's crazy because I've never considered before that like that, you know, just like everything, like, like say that, that whole, you know, um, concept that, you know, with the negative shadow of like, you, you know, the things that irritate you and somebody else or the things that you, that you have that are hidden from you, that, that you, you know, irritates you because subconsciously, you know, that you're that way. And you can't accept it in yourself. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I've always understood is kind of one of the aspects of the negative shadow. But yeah, you're exactly right. The positive shadow is projecting. But the interesting thing is it's projecting virtues that you have. You're externalizing them onto someone else and then worshiping them for having a character aspect that you actually contain. It's, it's, uh, that, that's a really promising thing with it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's giving away your power. Like you're, you know, like this person is creative and brilliant and like they're sacred and they're better than me. And they're, you know, it's giving away that power, but it's like, it's something that you actually contain within yourself. We all have our own spark of just magic. That's only ours that nobody else can ever be or take, you know? And it's like one of the beauties of existence, but uh, p- being able to to understand that, that we do project positively in that way you can re- you can rein that in you know and just kind of you know that that whole that whole uh, positive projection is what fuels the celebrity thing in general you know what i mean it's just kind of that oh yeah and the royalty it's kind of a human nature thing to have have an object to externalize your you know your positive virtue onto that that's that's them one of the most important people in my life is a a friend named chip who actually passed away this year is a presbyterian minister just a spiritual guide in general you know beyond the constraints of christianity but 
I mean, one of the things that impacted me most about, you know, knowing him and his life is he was a minister that refused to be worshiped. You know, he, he intentionally deflected that, that natural uh, innate desire by most of the congregation to put that preacher on a pedestal and make them, they're a paragon of virtue. They're different than us. You know what I mean? Like that we have that kind of, it's kind of a human drive for some reason, you know, to externalize that, make that one person special and different, put them up there. And then we're kind of taught conflicting information about admiration and envy. We're kind of taught like you shouldn't want something someone else has because then you're like envious of them. But in reality, if you want something someone else has, that's really just admiration. And Mm -hmm. if you want some, if you don't want someone else to have something and you don't care whether or not you have it or you want to take it from them, that's more on the envy scale. So like, it's important to open ourselves up to true admiration where we look at what someone else has or is expressing and say, we want that as opposed to looking at what they have and saying, I'm angry that I don't have it or I wish they didn't have it. And of course, most of us aren't probably even having that kind of casting those kind of negative forms of envy out there consciously, but it, it does probably happen to, for people that are even like more trapped in a, a dark mindset. You know, I think that oh, yeah. it's even yeah, for promoted sure. in media and like the way that characters behave in any TV show you might see, like most TV shows you ever watch, even if they're legitimately funny and legitimately well-written, a lot of times the characters are like the worst people ever. Yeah. And that's part yeah, of what makes it funny. Your, your reaction, your, your viewer reaction is to kind of like shame them or, you know, look down on them in some way. You know, that's what like all, a lot of that celebrity news and those gossip TV shows and stuff is about like that shame, shame. A lot of the news is that way too. It's supposed to inspire that, like, like a little bit of judgment onto someone, you know, for, for some aspect of, of, of their behavior or whatever. That, that positive projection thing has kind of just blew my mind. I like, oh, that's the, the hero worship thing. It's like we all, I don't know. Yeah, but like, like you said, I mean, there is, you know, it's definitely a you know, healthy response to that, you know, seeing somebody that's out doing something that you want to do, or, you know, having something you want to have. It's, I think we kind of get programmed as children, like that's selfish to want good things for yourself. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, like, yeah. I think we get some confusing signals on that front. You know, somebody awakened me to that a couple of years ago, that like polite, that overly polite um, training that a lot of us get as children to like, don't express false modesty. <laughs> yeah. Don't express your needs. You know, don't desire things, you know, like humble yourself or whatever, which is good. I mean, that's, you know, admonitions are positive in a sense, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's like, I think we get, you know, part of our cultural training as children is to not be selfish. Like what, like, is it selfish to like want to, you know, hold your own space and take care of yourself and not be at the beck and call of society all the time? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, it's something I, I don't know. Somebody made a comment a, a few weeks ago to me about this. You know, what is selfish? Selfish is not doing what another person wants you to do. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like in a certain sense, we get that thrown at us as children. Usually if someone's calling you selfish as like a peer, as a child, it's because you didn't do what that other kid wanted. It's a really ridiculous accusation to call someone selfish because pretty much everybody acts in self-interest all the time and it's normal and, and it's okay. And actually we wouldn't even need the concept of altruism if everyone actually acted in true self, best self-interest all the time. Because right. best self-interest would involve not harming others because person would realize that that actually does boomerang back to yourself either immediately or later or both. I mean, it's just, it's just something that anyone paying attention to their life could uh, figure out that there's at least some sort of karmic system in play, even if it's 
just on the mundane physical level, if you piss someone off, they're going to act against you in return, you know, but I wanted to talk about how authentic self-esteem back to where we were with the body earlier actually feels good in your body to feel yes. good about yourself. And hero heroes are actually good and important because if you see someone that's a hero to you doing their authentic self-expression and it makes you get very excited or happy to see that, that's a good feeling in your body also. And that I oh, think totally, man, totally, can totally man. draw that type of experience to yourself by surrounding yourself with, or at the very least, just being aware of people that are, are doing the type of things that give you that sort of right, right. authentic pleasure. As long as you, as long as you realize that you can do that thing, you know what I mean? As long as it doesn't yeah. make, like think that they're the, they're, they can do that and you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing to me, I guess partly because I've been teaching a creative art for the past year. And like, we're all kind of programmed with that thing of like, I'm not creative, but I love this artist and this artist and this artist. It's like, well, you're self-limiting by like worshiping them, but not trying it yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like get flow with it, get, let that inspire you and act on it. You know, you're never going to be identical to someone's work that you like, but you will make your own work. That's different from theirs that they couldn't replicate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Man, we're all, we're all, you know, artists, you know, and heroes on some level, you know, like that, but I I totally agree with you. You know what I was saying about the positive projections, like not, not to denigrate the idea of heroes for sure, because that, I mean, you know, the, the feeling that you get from being inspired by watching somebody that's truly great at something, Michael Jordan, you know, dunking from the free throw line or killing, you know, through, you know, the clutch shots and games or whoever, whoever your heroes might be throughout history, you know, like, you know, being guideposts to where you want to be as a person, hopefully, and not just a passive audience member cheering them on, I guess is what I'm saying. That's one thing that festivals have done for me is seeing some people in their element on a stage in a perfect flow doing their creative thing with their instruments or whatever, or even life painters that totally made me feel like I could do that. I mean, in my own way, like I could make myself feel as good as they must feel doing that. Or in this sense of life painting, I just went back and started drawing again. And I, okay. So one of the things that gets repressed is actually the feeling of pleasure in the body, not just sexually, but we have to realize creative energy is a form of sexual energy and that there's a certain form of pleasure that can only be achieved by actually doing something that creates something. And it, it's like a missing nutrient in people's diet. I remember how I felt before I started treating myself like I was an artist and after. And it's like, basically, that was when I stopped being ever depressed at all. Like, I mean, oh, I might have right. moments where I don't feel as soaked, but as far as feeling like I had depression or anything, it was just gone as soon as I turned on the the lights to imagination and started asking it questions oh man i agree i i i talk about this quite a bit it's like i don't i don't even remember what i did with that weird energy um without a creative expression you know like just being able to dump out through um visual arts or uh, music making music to be able to just have an emotional release valve you know creativity is is so i'm having some form of creative expression is so healthy for the the psyche i think you know just to have some way to work out work out some stuff let your subconscious get involved you know and 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 make some make some neural connections for you through some abstract art or whatever you know any form of creation it's uh 
uh, I, I just honestly like feel for the for those many people out there that have just never you know found throughout their life path or, or lack of exposure through school or whatever never found a creative expression mode but most people do poor normies yeah, man no i mean just but it, people find it in so many different ways though you know what i mean like uh it's it's found through like you know cooking or you know parenting i mean anything can be an art and a creative act you know but like i don't know just for me i, I agree with what you're saying before i i would i've suffered with a lot more uh depression and stuff before i found some creative flow well you said you're teaching talk about that a little bit we've got like 10 minutes left before the uh break for the plus show and okay. it'd be awesome to promote what you do a little more because you never know someone might actually want to hire you. I'm sure that you yeah. get plenty of uh, jobs like your, your uh, oh, page is looking strong. All the recent photos I was going through earlier were credible. Saw some wicked Halloween photo of a ghost lady. Like you, you do some very creative work, my friend. I, I love to see it. It inspires me as someone who likes to dabble in photography to see what you do because it gives me ideas. Right on, man. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Uh, that's, um, that's something that, um, with the teaching, it's been, it's been a new experience of, of kind of watching the, the inspiration directly bounce off somebody else and, and have them, their work inspired me, which happens a lot, you know, seeing what the, you know, like a hungry new mind does when they're first exposed to the, the, the potential uh, power of photography and different techniques. It's a, uh, it's super inspiring to me and, um, and makes me want to, it keeps me busy too. When I can, I've, I've been doing some you know, kind of different experimental stuff to, uh, you know, they, they keep me sharp for sure. But yeah, what up, man? I'm, you know, for, still a photographer first and foremost, you know, and I did, it's shifted gears a little bit and did a little bit less festival uh, photography um, in some ways and did more in some ways, did more for myself kind of uh, with like going to Burning Man, just a life experience type thing. And, uh, and, and got to do a festival as a, as just a, a participant this year for the first time in many years, which is really cool down at Halloween. But um, anyway, as far as what I do, like I've, I've been teaching, uh, photography for, for the past year at uh, North Arkansas College in Harrison, Harrison, Arkansas, which is a uh, community college where I, where I start, where I learned many moons ago uh, from an old, old teacher, uh, dear friend, man. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting experience. I've, I've really enjoyed unexpectedly, uh, enjoyed more than I would have thought being able to connect with, you know, hungry young minds and, and kind of inspire them in this art form. And it allows for some journeys into really interesting philosophical places sometimes. And I mean, teaching, I, I get really uh, excited thinking about teaching, just how do you, how do you create an environment to get into a creative flow? You know, how do you like with, with, um, students fresh out of high school that have never had an, uh, you know, any exposure to art really necessarily. Um, and, and just getting them in that art flow, uh, where there's no wrong answers and you can, you know, you can hopefully have, you know, the, the confidence and the safety of the creative space to explore without, um, judgment and, and feel free to express, you know, creating that space and, and, and just, uh, experimenting. I'm always kind of experimenting with, how to make that experience better for them and how to just kind of light a fire under them and let them see the potential tap into the subconscious in different ways. Um, like I actually just did an assignment with, I'm teaching Photoshop this semester as well, filling in for a friend who's out on maternity leave. And I had both of my classes do an assignment um, on the shadow the Photoshop class is like a self-portrait collage on your shadow side. Um, and just to get them kind of thinking in that subconscious mode, I thought that would be an interesting creative experiment. We got some really interesting, cool work out of it. Uh, and, and, and on the photo side, photo one kids, I had them do 
a similar thing. They could choose to do a, a literal shadow, you know, literal interpretation of the, of the um, assignment, just, you know, catch some cool shadow photography, or they could delve deeper and do some conceptual photography stuff. And that actually was really rewarding because it triggered uh, one of my students that, that had not been really very engaged with the fundamental stuff up till then really exploded with this creative expression with the shadow assignment. And she caught me after class the other day and we were just talking for like 45 minutes about how it you know, it was kind of opened something in her brain. That one was kind of the trigger for her. So like for me, that experiment worked, you know, and I'm taking notes of like how how did I tap into that with, with that student? And you know what I mean? Kind of refining techniques. It's a whole different art form than photography to, uh, to teach creativity and to try to inspire that in others. But it's super intriguing to me because, you know, we, we all need it. Like we were just talking about, you know, a creative expression is a, have, having a, an outlet is very, is critical for, I mean, you know, survival, I feel like in a way, but so it's been, it's been really, really fun and really rewarding. And I've, I've kind of in a way almost switched my, my life energy flow uh, towards that. I've been putting a lot of emotional and, and mental resource into developing that uh, in this past year which has been neat because it funnels and channels my, my passion for photography, which, which I've, I've had and sustained for a long time um, into a, a service model kind of, you know, to be able to, you know, I've got a lot of uh, educators in my family and I I didn't really, I didn't seek out this role. You know, I didn't ask, I didn't apply for this job or anything. It kind of came because I already had this relationship with the college, you know, it just kind of fell in my lap, but I feel like it's the universe speaking to me in a way, man. I, you know, I, uh, yeah. The doors opened and um, I'm really kind of interested to follow it where it goes and pursue it more. Um, and because education has changed so much and, and just like our music industry uh, with the, the Internet disrupted so many fields and education is definitely one of them, you know, and, and the, the standard model is still struggling to catch up. And I'm I've just gotten pretty fascinated with that aspect of it as well, of like where, you know, where we can go. You know, I've, I grew up in a very impoverished, uh, small, small town in Mississippi that's ravaged with drug problems and uh, poverty. Uh, and I'm thinking about like, how can I incorporate in, you know, instructional photography workshop, creative injection into that environment, you know, give these kids, you know, cameras and help them plug into a creative mode. And, and, and what would that be like to infuse that art form into their world down there with those kids and let them, let them document their, their world and maybe get that picture, those pictures out to the bigger world and put some attention and awareness on this plight of these, these really impoverished communities. I'm, I'm just seeing all this potential all of a sudden and what the, the healing and, and connection that can come from utilizing the, the power of the art form is spreading it instead of me just doing it is like me, you know, coordinating others doing it and learning it to, to expose their world. Man, it's beautiful what you're saying. I am so happy that a guy like you is out there, especially influencing hungry young minds, as you called them. I'm thinking while you're saying that, what came to mind was that maybe what gave that particular project with the shadow some success and drawing out creative inspiration from students is that you provided an open concept. I think imagination has a lot to do with our ability to conceptualize. And mm-hmm. maybe if you pursue that, because that's one of the things that's been re- reduced as a, a function in people's minds is like conceptualizing things isn't really done. We're given things in like steps, step by step, piece right. by piece. And if yeah. you just have a concept, then you put the pieces together yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure, man. The mind, you know, I, I have this thing like uh, creativity thrives with, with restrictions, uh, but, but only when there's ma- massive amounts of openness, you just have to, you have to create a broad channel. You know what I mean? Like here, you know, you can't just tell a kid like, Hey, here's a photo assignment, go be creative. You know what I mean? That's too broad. You know, like well, you go, can't point to the West and say, go that way, kid. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you have to make a, you know, a, a framework of some sort, but yeah, that whole no wrong answers thing is super important to me. It's like, this is take, take these semi vague directions and do with them as you will. You know, like this is, this is uh, you know, just, and it gets the, the, you know, you basically just have to throw some sort of problem out there for the creative mind to solve. But yeah, that one, that one really triggered some deep stuff with a lot of, a lot of the students. And also I told them it wouldn't, you know, that one wouldn't be for like public critique, you know, so they wouldn't have to worry about, you know, restraining themselves or, or not being honest. Cause I feel like, you know, not one of my main goals with them is to tap them into their heart space with this art form and, and make sure that they understand how to flow from the heart with it and mean it, you know, create a, a situation where they can, if, if they feel it, someone else is going to feel it, you know, uh, or the, the recipient will feel it. But yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing, man. I could talk for a long time about the, the ripples and the impact that, I mean, a good educator, you know, a good, a good teacher can change your life pretty quickly and, uh, and, and set a, set a new path out or a new opportunity, a new option, you know, unlock a door in the mind and, um, it's just really, I'm super grateful to be in that spot. You know, however long I do it, I'm, I'm just really stoked by it, having fun with it and making friends too. You know, like there's all these, all these students are brilliant human beings for the most part. It's really nice to get to connect with, with them and follow, you know, follow up with them and just keep in touch with them as friends after the class, you know, just to see where they go and what they do. Yeah, man. Well, we're going to have to get back to that in the plus extension, because I think there's plenty more to be said about, what role teachers should play and how we can improve that dynamic because we all fulfill that role in different relationships in our life. And I think it's useful information to all of us, whether it ends up being, you know, applied to having kids or just like mentoring a friend, anything goes. Uh, So we'll have to get back to that. But for now, give everyone your website and and plug whatever you'd like them to check out online. And uh, we'll take a break for the plus extension. Right on, man. Sounds good. Yeah, you can uh, you can check out my uh, my work and connect with me through Facebook with Jamie Seed Photography or www.jamieseed.com. Also, uh, Instagram and you know most forms of social media. I'm, I'm on there at some point. Uh, but yeah, man, I've got a new website that I, I redesigned myself recently. I'm, I'm kind of stoked about. So go there, check it out. Drop me a line on the contact form. Let me uh, be a be a beta tester for me. Make sure it works right. But uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you in a minute again, man. Awesome. I'm- I'm so glad that you hit me up to come on the show. It makes my job a lot easier when someone comes to me. And also, you're one of my favorite people to catch up with. So much love, man. And thanks for listening, everybody. And Plus members, we'll see you on the other side. Uh, moving through the city like a shadow, past the shallows, everywhere these sounds travel. Always bring the ammo, so we ready for the battle. Yo, but still we kick the flavor words here like aloe. Sub-Zero as I slide through the room With a flow so January but the attitude June Latitude slew, spit the absolute truth With a polar bear's tongue and a Malamute's tooth More bite than bark, all my dogs are strays And we ain't never coming back like launching like in a space This a one-way race to an unnamed place Only way to go is up where the sun rays blaze But they say, never fly too close to a star See these wings, why you think that they all tattered and scarred? Doesn't matter how far, cause now we master the art I'm on my ultra-light beam and come alive up the dark. Hey.
And there's another episode down. Jamie Seed bringing the wisdom and creative passion with a big third appearance here on Interverse, and I really couldn't be more stoked with how that conversation turned out. Sometimes the podcast has less of a defined direction starting out, and I don't really know what rabbit holes we're going to jump down. And this was one of those occasions where the unknown was very good to us because there were a few things in the talk that I actually really needed to hear. I loved getting to talk about healthy and ethical ego development and how Burning Man was a step in that direction for Jamie. And the stuff about positive projection and hero worship was super empowering because it let us hit on what's probably my favorite recurring note in this show, which is the idea that whatever cool thing you see somebody else out there doing in the world is something you could totally learn to do in your own way, if only you care enough. And as the apathy plague continues to spread across our world, with people so bored or frustrated with reality that non-constructive forms of escapism are dominating our collective free time, it really does seem that our imaginations of who we could be has been colonized by the Empire. Thousands of people are more interested in worshipping at the altar of sports than learning about their own potential as creators and artists. And, of course, there's Netflix, Xbox, and reality TV, too. I fight this weird battle myself every day as I find valuable time spent on extremely low-priority activities like com computer games. Maybe it's just the fact that Uranus is in my fifth house that leads me to be so easily amused by technological escapism, but I also know that I'm making that choice and nothing can really compel my behavior but me. And there's plenty of ways I could translate that particular technophilic trait into transcendental digital artwork if I just switched my attention and focused on that mission. Anyway, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate in your own way, and I think if you're listening to the show, you probably, hopefully, have quite a bit more care built up towards leading a creatively fulfilling life. And if nothing else, you did get a great pro tip in this episode in regards to the hanky maneuver. This is something I took up after my talk with Jamie a few days ago, and I've probably already saved a roll of toilet paper and who knows how many paper towels. I don't buy Kleenex tissues, so the hanky thing is way better feeling on the old schnoz than paper products. And maybe over time this will save me some money and better yet, a few trees. It's all about the little things, right? And a friend I told about this before uh, I recorded this outro, he mentioned I should start a line of heady hankies with crazy art on it. And I kind of like the idea of blowing snot onto something beautiful. So maybe I'll get to work on that and start expanding the Interverse Online store, which is something I've always meant to do. One way you could definitely help me make that type of goal a reality is with supporting the show by becoming a Plus member. You can do that on patreon.com forward slash Interverse, and you can find a link to that in the show notes for this episode on whatever you're listening to it through. And in the Plus extension, you'll hear about crossing from festival culture into permaculture and some events that are attempting to do that. We talked about following passion instead of money, but also paying the bills. And this is something Jamie has been really experiencing firsthand over the last year as he took the dive into kind of a full-time freelancer. We talked about ideas of what living outside the box look like looks like. We had an elaborate conversation about ecstatic dance and how it connects us to authentic and spiritual self-expression. And hear me out, guys. I mean, what, what is there to say about dance, you might be thinking. But we actually broke it down. Like It was a really cool and fascinating chat. And it related back to what types of things we discussed in the beginning of the show about rigidity and physical armoring and 
movement practices. That's been something I've been really into lately is how moving our body is really the best way to get our mind less stagnant. We talked about, oh yeah, Jamie, speaking of moving our bodies, Jamie turned the tables on me and he instigated a conversation about my rock climbing hobby. And that was pretty fascinating too. Again, ties into all that other stuff. He also reflected on some of the mindsets and evolutions he's faced as a full-time freelancer over the last year and what it means to live life without a financial safety net. Talked about tips for replacing depression thoughts with gratitude practices and the story of how synchronicities with a black tourmaline stone helped Jamie during a time of massive loss and he opened up to be less cynical from the whole experience. So that's cool. And it involves music festivals. Great. We had an awesome conversation about the metaphysical power of belief at the end and why leaving room for the unknown is better than assuming things are impossible. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, all in all, you got a great plus extension. So I hope that you're on it. I hope you check it out. The dance, fire, and invocation of divine consciousness through generating internal energy was such a cool topic. And I want to think about that more going forward, how energy is consciousness and how energy in motion in our bodies actually brings consciousness into our bodies, literally. This is kind of an idea that I've been playing around with and it's, it's starting to make more and more sense, like a lot more sense. And maybe even thought is actually preceded by action altogether. And if we want to have different thoughts, we do literally have to have different actions. And it's not exactly change your thoughts and then your reality will change. It's almost change your physical actions and reality will change. And that's almost like, duh, but you don't hear that a lot. So anyway, pretty interesting conversation in this plus extension leading me to really ponder on that type of stuff and about positive forms of social pressure, the role of the superego and what it looks like in and out of balance, you know, being in balance with your superego, which is like your connection to the, uh, you know, it's that inner voice in your head. The superego is the voice that tells you what you look like to other people and what other people think about you and all that. So what it's really trying to do is be an empathy voice. So like that type of social pressure that we discussed that's positive is empathy based where you don't want to do a certain behavior because you don't want to cause other people trouble or harm. And that's not exactly the same as not wanting to do it out of fear of their repercussions or what they'll think of you. So whenever we're talking about superego and our relation to the collective and other people, we just got to keep remembering that empathy is positivity and fear of what others think is negativity and being aware of this part of ourselves and sort of treating it almost like a program that's installed in our brain computer instead of like it's actually us. It's just an in this voice in your head that tells you what other people think about you is just like a sensory psychic device that you can use to your advantage or you can hurt yourself with just like every other tool. So. Anyway, great conversation. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you guys for sticking around to the end. Remember, you can sign up for Plus and get not just an hour extension. It was like an hour, 20 minutes. So sometimes when you get these double long shows with Plus, it's actually more than double long. And this was one of those times and it was great. So check that out on Patreon. And also make sure to check the links for jamieseed.com where you can see incredible, beautiful, unimaginably artistic photography. Just a genius of the camera. I'm, I'm telling you, he gets better and better. It's fun to look through those. You'll actually feel feels. So if you want to just like authentically experience artwork, making you feel feelings, go look at Jamie's uh, photos on his website. You'll find something. I found quite a few. 
Also, you'll find a link to K-Lap, which was the music in this episode. Been really enjoying the funkiness of K-Lab this week. So check all that out in the show notes. And that is all for me. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. I hope you're having an awesome time. And I mean that. I'm not just saying like a generic cliche thing. I mean, I hope this is the best day you've ever been ever. And tomorrow is the best ever. And just keep remembering that every day you're the best self you've ever been because you have everything that's behind you making you, you know, better than before. So technically every day, even a day that seems hard is the best day of your life because you're potentially the best form of yourself that ever could have been. So if you remember that and remember that today's actually literally the best day of your life right here now and remember that tomorrow and remember that the next day, you can, you can start a hot streak where every day is the best day of your life and you're on like the fifth day in a row where it was the best day in your life and you just keep remembering before you know it i one time got up to like 60 or 70 days where i just kept every day reminding myself this is the best day in your life for the whatever number of day in a row and it's kind of a weird weird thing but it's almost like a prayer of protection or a blessing on yourself to just have that type of attitude because you get to choose your attitude and you can really argue one way or the other that it's not the best day of your life for a number of reasons. But again, you could always just say, well, I'm the latest and greatest version of self. I've been through the most experiences up to this point that I've ever had. And so therefore, it's the best day ever. And let's kill this. All right. I'm out of here. I love you guys. Sign up for Plus. I really need some Plus members. Come on. <laughs> okay. But seriously, I really want more of you guys to be listening to it because I think it's good material. And it's worth listening to. I listened to it a couple times because I have to edit it. And I'm I'm not bored with it. So I think you'll find it quite infotaining. But for real, I'm out of here. Thanks again for listening to my ramble. I love you all. Life is good. Today's the best day of your life. And don't forget it. Bye-bye.